Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good morning to you, Sherry Kennedy Brown Rig in for Teresa Tamio, who is on pilgrimage. And today on the program, we're going to be talking with Doug Keck of EWTN, finding out what's happening there at the network. We'll also talk about why it's important that we have Catholic lawyers, lawyers who approach the law with that Catholic view. And we're going to be talking to a wonderful priest who will tell you about the confessions of St. Augustine. So it's a jam-packed hour, and I hope you've got a little time to spend with us. Teresa is on her way now to go to Italy for another Wine and Shrine pilgrimage with women in the new evangelization. Kelly Walquist is there with her as well, and many, many pilgrims. Dozens of women are headed there right now. Teresa and Kelly will be meeting them, and it's such a beautiful trip. Now, Teresa wants all of us to know that she is taking prayer requests with her. She wants to pray for you while she is on pilgrimage. So here's how you can get those prayer requests into her. You can just email her, Teresa, at TeresaTamio.com. You can also go to her Facebook page. You'll see a post there where she asks for those prayer intentions, and you can write it there. She'll get them either way, but let her pray for you. She'll be going to lots of different religious sites, seeing lots of saint relics, and bringing your prayers with her. So make sure you do that. That's always just such a wonderful thing that we can pray for each other. And in turn, you can pray for Teresa and Kelly and all the folks who are on, all the wonderful women who are on this Wine and Shrine pilgrimage. Pray for them, because we always know that those prayers open up our hearts, don't they? Yeah, everybody on pilgrimage needs prayers. So again, Teresa at TeresaTamio.com, or you can uh, go on her Facebook page and see the post there to post your prayer request. You know, yesterday I, I got to listen to, I wasn't able to listen to the show as it aired yesterday, but I listened to a few things online. Teresa posted the archive links to the interviews that she had with Father Mitch Pacwa and also with Steve Ray, and both of them talked about the Israeli versus Palestinian conflict, how we got here from a truly Catholic perspective, and I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to those. You can also go to Teresa Tamio's Facebook and find the post that starts with, in case you missed it, and the links are there. You know, because this is really important for us to kind of get a sense of what is actually happening there. I've been in the Holy Land a number of times, never on pilgrimage, if you can believe that, always for work. And, you know, I would love to go there on pilgrimage at some point, but being there for work actually allowed me to see some things that we don't always see when we go on pilgrimage. And we'll start out with this, that, you know, not all Palestinians are members of Hamas, Steve Ray talked about this yesterday. There are lots of Palestinian Christians in the Middle East. They are culturally and ethnically Palestinians, but religiously they are Christians. And they are there in the Holy Land. And, you know, that all started, I mean, gosh, hundreds of years ago. But St. Francis negotiated safe passage for Christian pilgrims in 1219. 
And if you have never heard that story, you really should read about it, get some books about it, because he went there with another friar at great peril to himself. And the Egyptian sultan was so moved by his piety and how they treated any prisoners that they had taken from uh, the Islamic faith and those who were trying to persecute them at the time. He was so moved by that that he agreed to meet with him. And St. Francis negotiated safe passage for Christian pilgrims then. It didn't always last, but since 1219, we have been able to go into the Holy Land and to venerate the Christian sites. And, you know, at one point, there were 25% of the population in the Holy Land was Palestinian Christians in that area there around uh, Israel and and uh, the surrounding area. Now, 1%. 1%. And my experience has been that those beautiful Palestinian Christians are being squeezed from both sides. A lot of it do does come from the Islamic side and being in Bethlehem, which is a very Islamic area. You would think, well, that's where Christ was born. It must be Christian. No, no, Christians are a very, very small percentage of the people living in Bethlehem. And there is a Catholic church there, and it's uh, it's very close to the Church of the Nativity. But there is a very, very large Islamic population, and one of the things that they are doing there, and this was told to me by one of the Christians who has uh, an organization that tries to help Catholics stay Catholic, he said that the young Islamic men are all marrying Christian women. They are specifically targeting Christian women to meet, marry, woo them, and they must turn Islamic. That's just part of the marriage. And so all of their children are born into the Islamic faith. And that's one way that they are pushing out Christians. They so often refuse to do business with Christians. They will only do business with other Muslims. And that's just the start, <laughs> just the start. There are so many different ways that they are being squeezed by by the Islamic people living in the area. And then on the other side, you know, Israel, of course, has to protect itself. They have built the, the walls there, the, so many settlements and checkpoints. But there are many Christians who are coming into Jerusalem, for example, and serving in, I stayed in a hotel where one of the um, uh, the people in the kitchen, and she also served me breakfast. There weren't very many in the in the hotel at the time, but she um, she was from Bethlehem, and she said, "I never know if I'm going to be able to get through the checkpoint to get into Jerusalem every day when I come to work. Some days they turn me away, and again, we can understand why Israel does this because anyone can say that they're a Christian." And they're trying to prevent suicide bombers. And now, of course, those stakes are much higher. But they're also squeezed in that way as well. And the, the Christians who are in the Holy Land do not see a future for their families. So many of them move away because they have to, because they need to have that future for their children. And it's so very sad. So please do, when you're thinking about this whole conflict here, Remember that not all pa Palestinians are members of Hamas. I've seen a lot on Facebook where um, there's just a, a very much of a, a condemnation of everyone who is Palestinian. But there is that tiny minority of Palestinian Christians that we need to pray for. And we need to pray for everybody in this war. Um, it has such a huge chance to escalate 
not only are those who are in it now being terribly persecuted and so much loss of life on both sides, it's just awful. So our prayers are needed for all around. But my reminder is don't forget those Palestinian Christians and remember that there is a segment of Palestinians that that really are against this. They're against this, yeah. Well, it's about eight minutes past the hour, and it is time for news. Israel's military is telling over a million people in Gaza City to evacuate as tanks build up along the northern border. The military has said it will operate significantly in Gaza City over the coming days and that civilians should only return when advised. They also said civilians should distance themselves from Hamas militants who are using them as human shields. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is in Tel Aviv to show U.S. solidarity with Israel in its war against Hamas. Austin arrived today for talks with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Israel's Defense Minister. The Department of Defense says Austin will also meet with members of the Israeli War Cabinet to discuss the country's operational planning and security assistance needs. More protests are expected today in New York City following ones last night over the Israeli war with Hamas. Scott Pringle reports. Well, there appears there's going to be a large pro-Palestinian demonstration at 3 o'clock this afternoon in Times Square. Meanwhile, dueling protests last night outside Columbia University, some chanted Free Palestine. Students supporting Israel showed pictures of the civilians killed and captured by Hamas. This was not about freeing Palestine. This was about murdering Jews and massacring Jews. The protests remained peaceful as students marched along sidewalks. Ford Motor Company is telling the United Auto Workers that its 23% pay raise offer is the most they can afford to do. The UAW is striking the big three automakers as they seek a 40% raise. Ford Blue President Kumar Galhotra says the offer made to the union puts employees in the top 25% of all hourly and salary jobs in the U.S. and calls it an incredibly positive offer. He adds any further wage hikes would risk their ability to invest in the business and grow profits. A man charged in the killing of Chicago police officer Ella French is pleading guilty. Perry Williams has more. FOP President John Cananzara says the deal that got Eric Morgan a seven-year prison sentence is too light. Eric Morgan is basically walking away with a slap on the wrist. When, if he had done this five weeks earlier, he'd be looking at life in prison because of the Safety Act and the elimination of felony murder. Morgan and his brother Imante were charged in the shooting that killed Officer French and injured her partner during a traffic stop in the West Inglewood neighborhood in August of 2021. Eric wasn't accused of pulling the trigger, but prosecutors say he took the gun his brother used and ran in an effort to get rid of it. A Philadelphia police officer is dead and another wounded after a shooting in a parking garage on Thursday night. Interim Police Commissioner John Stanford. As you can imagine, um, heartbroken, devastated um, that their family member is not coming home tonight. The two officers were arriving at work at Philadelphia International Airport when they reportedly saw several people trying to break into parked vehicles. Police say the suspects opened fire on the officers, hitting one several times in the upper body and the other in the arm.
One person allegedly matching a suspect's description was taken to a hospital where they were declared dead, but it's not clear if they were connected to the shooting. Leaders in the Big Apple are pushing to suspend New York City's right-to-shelter policy as the immigration crisis grows. The law says anyone in New York City can access guaranteed shelter. Governor Kathy Hochul sent a letter to the judge basically saying she agrees with Mayor Eric Adams' assessment that the current situation is unsustainable. When you ask at the border why they're not going to 50 other states, they well know and have been told by the people transporting them. If you go to New York City, you'll get free shelter. There are more than 60,000 migrants in New York City shelters, many of whom are still waiting for work authorization. Advocates oppose the suspension of right to shelter and have called on the governor and mayor for inclusive solutions to the migrant crisis. NASA is about to launch a spacecraft on a nearly six-year mission to an asteroid that's mostly made of metal. The asteroid named Psyche is about the size of Massachusetts, and researchers believe around 30 to 60 percent of it is metal. The spacecraft is scheduled to launch today from Florida's Kennedy Space Center. It should start sending back images in 2029. And today is a scary day for some, and it's not even Halloween. Bree Tennis with more. If you're superstitious, today, Friday the 13th, is unlucky. Although there's no proof today is unluckier than any other day, but many people believe it is. There's no floor 13 in most office buildings or hotels, and historians have no idea why we're afraid. If you're among the one in five YouGov says is afraid of today, don't worry, the next one won't be here until September of 2024. I'm Bree Tennis. Hopefully we are not those who are afraid of Friday the 13th. We have the Lord. One thing I wanted to mention in talking about the Middle East is that the Latin Catholic Patriarch of Jerusalem has called for a day of prayer and fasting coming up on Tuesday, October 17th for peace and reconciliation in the Holy Land. You can just Google that and find that online. But let's join together and pray and fast for peace and reconciliation in the Holy Land. That's how we will end this war, indeed. Well, coming up next, Doug Keck from EWTN. It's Friday, so he'll be joining us talking about uh, the special EWTN programming coming up. And that is coming up next right here on Catholic Connection. Stay with us. He is only one of four popes honored as the great. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Leo I was pope at a time when Roman civilization was being overrun by barbarian armies. He stood as a light in the darkness and even saved the city of Rome from destruction by Attila and the Huns. Leo died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmidt, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmidt's comments, 
you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Welcome back to Catholic Connection. Sherry Kennedy Brownrigg with you. Teresa Tamio headed off to Italy for a wine and shrine pilgrimage. And she would like to take your prayer requests with her. So make sure you send those to her, Teresa, at TeresaTamio.com, or find the post on her Facebook page and just comment there and let her pray for you. That's really wonderful. And pray for all of those on pilgrimage as well. Well, as I promised, and you hear every time on the Friday of the week here, we've got Doug Keck with us, President and COO of EWTN. Doug, welcome to the program on this Friday the 13th. Ooh. Oh. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Uh, yeah, it's great to hear your wonderful, uh, mellifluous voice. And it's great to hear that Teresa's uh, d- doing something interesting and fun at the same time. And uh, opportunity to let everybody know about some of the wonderful programming with all the stuff going on that's, that, that's so horrible, especially in the Middle East. We have to pray for peace and pray yeah. for all those families uh, on both sides, obviously, ultimately. Um, but uh, certainly initially for the Israelis and, and, and uh, the butcherous massacre that was oh my goodness, uh, put upon yes. civilians like that. And uh, unfortunately, there's going to be much more horror to come, and we need to it, pray for it, all Exactly, of and it's so hard to read about. I mean, really, the only action we can do is just pray, trust right. in Jesus. Absolutely. And so with that, you know, uh, it, it happened earlier this morning, but we're going to re-air it uh, this afternoon was Holy Mass in honor of Our Lady of Fatima. So it's one of those things, again, speaking of shrines and things, mm. let's not forget, uh, you know, we have Our Lady. We already know our Lord wins out in the end. So while we're going through these things, we have to remember and keep that hope there. Also, uh, it may be Friday the 13th, but we've got the Worldwide Children's Holy Hour happening. A Eucharistic and Marian Holy Hour basically united around the world, and some of it will come live from our Lady of the Angels Chapel in Irondale, Alabama, and that's this morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, if you want to check that out. We've also got some other Fatima programming coming up tomorrow, a program called the Fatima Experience of Faith, and it's also St. John Paul II uh, it's time of year for programming from him coming up this weekend as well. The wonderful uh, film, of course, Pope St. John Paul II, Part 1. Um, it's our Saturday night cinema slot at 8 p.m. That's tomorrow. Also, The Vision of John Paul II, a mini series that Alan Shrek did, uh, starts up on Monday. We've got uh, uh, a very interesting program with Dr. Ray teaming it up with Father Mitch to tackle subjects in front of a live audience talking about t- toxic masculinity. I guess they brought those two together to demonstrate what it is. That's on Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. Of course, my 
great friends, Father Mitch and Dr. Ray. Uh, they do a wonderful job, and it's, uh, I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful program. And then oh, Wednesday, yeah. we've got uh, Father Mitch welcomes Bishop Michael J. Sis of the Diocese of San Angelo. And that's all part of our Catholic radio conference, which we have every year, and it's happening uh, uh, late next week. Uh, so that's also happening, and that's for our radio affiliates. And uh, so... Uh, People could check out all this great program, EW10.com. Don't forget about our, all our on-demand page. We have thousands of programs available, and, and likewise, uh, tens of thousands of programs available on our YouTube channel as well, as well as going to EW10's Podcast Central, where all of the great radio programs that we feature on the network are available, and a lot of other great ones that we don't. Yeah, you know, the EWTN website is just chock full of so much. I mean, you could spend hours and days and years in there and never exhaust all of the content. And EWTN.com, it's just wonderful. Doug, let's let's talk for a moment about, because we are on radio, talk about the radio conference. A lot of folks are listening, listening to us right now on their local radio station. Right. And there are many of them across the country. And, you know, if possible they all converge there in (laughs) at EWTN for this conference and so listening right now on your local station say some prayers for your local station and be sure to support them because you know this is the portal in which you receive EWTN on your radio dial right and what great programming what kinds of things happen at that radio conference Right. Well, the first thing I just want to mention is just like with Ave Maria and just like with EWTN and your local radio station, there it's being it's a work, uh, you know, a labor of love. It's a work by lay people, especially who've gone out of their normal course of their daily work uh, to provide this for your locale. And uh, they need your prayers, as Sherry just said, and they need your financial support as well. When we have this conference, we really think it's a great job to get everybody together who's out in the field, you know, the laborers in the field, uh, to kind of support each other and, and to share ideas of what's working, what's not working, how can we make things better for our audiences, um, different things like that. And we also have a time up at the shrine where they get to go up there and kind of have a retreat day. Obviously, the the whole spiritual aspect of everything we do in Catholic media is essential. If we lose sight of that, we just become a, a secular uh, outlet with a patina of Catholicism. Catholicism, which is right. not our, our yeah. goal, and our goal is to help people live Sunday to Sunday. And so it, it's really an opportunity for those people who work so hard, got stations started, uh, have to paddle as fast as they can to keep them on the air. And if you and if you find programming like you're hearing today in your local broadcast market, please pray for those people. Maybe volunteer, find out what you can do just by raising awareness. Many times the the greatest thing we know, Sherry, about Catholic media is that people, when they finally find out about it, say, why didn't anybody ever tell me about this before? (laughs) I didn't know this was even out there. And unfortunately, it's a fact. We can argue about why that's always the case, but it's just a fact. And uh, once you find the Pearl of Great Price, you know, you have to focus on it. Oh, that's so true. And two things that I want to mention, you know, having been the head of a local Catholic radio station at one point, I remember those days, stepping out of my (laughs) secular career. And, you know, you do. You scrap. I mean, we we were so blessed to have Jesus in the Eucharist uh, in the station. And sometimes I would curl up literally at his feet. And just I just need rest because there was you know there was so much to do so so right. think about that. Absolutely. The second thing, and I may have told you this before, Doug, but I'm a convert to the faith and an mm-hmm. adult convert. I was um, 31 when I converted. And, well, I I came into the church 
when I was 30. I really converted when I was 31. Gotcha. (laughs) You know how that goes, because I came in for marriage. But I was going through the channels and just flipping through, looking for something, searching. I didn't know what I was searching for, but there was Mother Angelica. And it was a particular program of her... She she had the nuns with her, and she hardly ever did this. And right. she was telling them jokes. And I this was so long ago. I don't know if you even remember this. It was probably, it is, based yeah. on that, it was probably either the late 80s or very early 90s. So. It was very early 90s, because that's yeah, when right. I converted. But, okay. but uh, it was so funny, because it really brought home to me. I have such a, a funky sense of humor. Right. And I may not have stopped if Mother Angelica was talking about something else, but I was so drawn to this nun telling jokes, God knew how to reach me through her. And that's the power. And, I, and I've been watching EWTN ever since. And that's the power. And it really just, you know, I think supercharged me on my right. walk in faith. But again, that's the power of just Catholic media. So you really really need to avail yourselves of it you're listening right now that's great but go further there's so much more out there absolutely absolutely and 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 your experience is just one of thousands and thousands of people even around the globe uh who hear mother angelica in every various language and wherever we are the most popular program the show that everyone talks about is always Mother Angelica, which goes to show you that this is a work of God that reinforces the fact that this was a clear mission that was given to Mother Angelica. And as long as all of us stay true to that mission, uh, we, we pray that God will continue to bless it by bringing us uh, listeners and viewers and supporters like the people out there today. Yeah. Well, thank you, Doug, so much. Have a blessed weekend, and thanks for all you do for EWTN. EWTN.com. That's the place to go. Also on your local um, cable channel, hopefully. And please pray for the network and also pray for your local Catholic radio station. We have so much more to come on Catholic Connection. Stay with us. Next, we're going to talk about why it's important to have Catholic lawyers. Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church, we speak of seven gifts, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, You know it's a struggle, and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades, and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. What comes to your mind when you hear the word passion? Passion often signifies intensity of emotions and feelings, frequently in terms of lust. But the Catholic Catechism tells us passions are neither good nor bad in and of themselves. In other words, passions are morally good if they contribute to a good action, and evil if they bring about the opposite result. The most fundamental passion is love, says the Catechism. It is aroused by attraction to the good, 
the desire to attain the good, and fulfilled by joy and pleasure once the good is possessed. Evil, on the other hand, arouses hatred, aversion, and fear. Passions are the passageway connecting the senses and the mind. Jesus said the source of all passions was the human heart. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. It's Catholic Connection, Sherry Kennedy Brownrigg, and for Teresa Tamio, who is headed off to a pilgrimage, a wine and shrine pilgrimage with women of the new evangelization with Kelly Walquist, and she wants to pray for your intentions. So a reminder, email her, Teresa, at TeresaTamio.com, or find her on Facebook. She's got a post there, and you can leave your prayer request there. Uh, She wants to pray for you, so take advantage of that. When someone wants to pray for you, always say yes, and then pray for all those wonderful women who are on that pilgrimage. Well, coming up later on in the program, we're going to be talking about the Confessions of St. Augustine. But right now, um, you know, we live in very uncertain times. That is not escaping you. I know that. And it can be difficult to know what's right and what's wrong unless you are grounded in absolute truth. Well, that truth is possessed solely by the Catholic Church. And with me today is Elizabeth Westoff. She's Associate Dean of Communications and External Affairs at Ave Maria Law School. We're going to talk about, um, you know, why it's so important to to have lawyers who are formed in the Catholic faith practicing law. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hello, Sherry. How are you? Well, and I'm just thinking to myself, why aren't we on that pilgrimage, the Wine and Shrine pilgrimage? Well, I was with Kelly last week, and because um, I was doing a, a law school swing up in the northern parts of our country, and and uh, Kelly mentioned that I, I don't know if listeners remember from the last time I was with you, but we're all friends actually in real life. So. Yes, we are. <laughs> Kelly was mentioning all of us going over, and I said, I I don't know that there's enough travel insurance for a trip like that. <laughs> Well, next time, and we'll investigate the insurance. (laughs) But here's my first question for you. So uh, how does an education at a law school like Ave Maria help students understand the law in the world? Well, first of all, you would need to know a little bit about the foundation of Ave Maria School of Law. And um, Ave Maria Radio and Ave Maria School of Law have have a common... Um, denominator, which is uh, Mr. Tom Monahan. Uh, Tom founded us, uh, Ave Maria University as well. Um, anything that, that is uh, named Ave Maria in the Catholic arena these days, Tom has had a hand in. I, I think that's safe to say. And Tom always said that beyond the clergy and religious, that the people who most have an impact on the culture are attorneys. And if you think about it, it's true. Um, think it, I mean, our laws, our government, our, I mean, attorneys, attorneys kind of do have their hand in absolutely everything that we do. And that's right. And, um, you know, I mean, every law school will say that they are creating ethical lawyers. Um, but we go beyond that at Ave Maria School of Law. And, and we, 
We have we have students coming to us not because they necessarily want to become lawyers. They do, but that's really almost a means to an end. What they want to do is change the world, and that's not taken lightly at Ave Maria School of Law. We actually our our mission is really to to form attorneys who are going to change the culture, and that culture that we're you know hoping that they can change. We can see this week. Is is becoming increasingly hostile t- to humanity. I mean, mm. I, I used to be able to say, "Well, we're living in a in a." It's becoming post Christians, but now we're we're post humanity. I mean, it, it's it's just insane. Um, so you know, look at look at how attorneys who are formed at our law school could impact international law, could could impact immigration law. Um, you know, we we've got to have people who are going to look at their law degree as a vocation um, and and that's what we do um, at Ave Maria School of Law and, and and that's how our our students are understanding the law in the world and and their place in all of that oh. well what makes Ave Maria Law School stand out among other Catholic law schools well there's a lot actually um, you know our Dean is is fond of saying that that we are the only law school at the moment where two plus two still equals four. Oh. <laughs> so, so that's that's the first thing. We're that pretty actually, much sums it up. <laughs> yeah. That kind of sums it up, actually. Um, we are our our academic uh, program is rooted in the Catholic intellectual tradition, um, and that actually means that when when the dean welcomes um, you know all of the students uh, to the first day of orientation. You know, um, he asks them, define law. Well, you're not going to find that at, at a lot of other law schools. But but it goes further than that, because to define law, first you have to define the human person. And the human person, the, the answer to, to defining the human person can be found in the Church Fathers, so Augustine and Aquinas. And so our students legal education is rooted in the Catholic intellectual tradition. So that's the first difference. Um, The second difference is that we are unabashedly Catholic. Um, Every class begins with a prayer. Um, You know, um, we are the only law school that has a concentration in natural law. And, And again, I go back to, if you look at where we are, in our world right now, you know, for anybody who has an understanding of natural law, that that law that's just innately written on the human heart, you you have to understand that we are missing that in the world right now. You know, look at the news, um, if, if you can stand to do it anymore in the last week. Um, you yeah. know, that, that understanding, that understanding of um, again, what is the human person? You know, we are we are rooted in the in the teachings of, of uh, Saint John Paul II. Um, he's he's sort of one of our our patrons, and and our motto is Fides et Ratio, which is faith and reason. So, you know, we're, we're not just approaching the law as here's how you're going to get a big paycheck, or here's how you're going to win, um, you know, your your divorce court proceedings. How are you going to approach the civil law in the United States from that humanitarian almost outlook and and 
change this culture so that we can become, in our own ways, closer to God. Yeah. The website is AveMariaLaw.edu, and Elizabeth, we only have a few minutes left, but how is in the world now? I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit, Sherry? Well, how are Ave Maria Law School grads serving as leaven in the world now? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, we have, um, you know, our graduates who are who are out in the world serving as general counsel at um, EWTN. We have people who are serving as uh, the founders of, of sidewalk counseling and and um, you know pro life uh, activities and and. And the, the important thing, really, is that it can be summed up. There was a story one time about a, a janitor that was that was interviewed um, as part of a documentary oh. they were doing. Elizabeth, I'm sorry, we are up against no, a hard break fine. here, so we're going to have to leave it there. But next time you're on, you got to tell that story, okay? Absolutely. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> That's Elizabeth Westoff, Associate Dean of Communications and External Affairs at Ave Maria Law School. Ave Maria Law. Edu. Go visit and find out more. And there's more to come here on Catholic Connection, so please stay with us. We'll be right back. The best way for the church to respond to this new woke religion is to actually begin to see it as religious. What they're offering is a new sense of believing, a new sense of belonging, and a new sense of behaving. They have new commandments uh, regarding tolerance and inclusivism and multiculturalism and egalitarianism. And what's remarkable about this is that the woke people seem to think that the Christian faith is a barrier. Look, Christianity has always taught that the gospel was a universal message. Christ died for all. All human beings are created in the image and likeness of God. And we all have solidarity in the fact that we sin. And yet the church gets no credit for its great cultural achievements. Look, the church has already welcomed every nation, family, and tribe. We are the first universal people. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Sixty on Ten with Monsignor Charles Pope. The Fifth Commandment, You Shall Not Kill. At the heart of this commandment is an absolute insistence on the sacredness of human life. We read in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, Before I ever formed you in the womb, I knew you, says the Lord. So every human life is sacred because it's caught up in the mind and the heart and the will and the love of God. And no matter how we're conceived or any circumstances, God has always known and loved every human person. And for this reason, we are to hold sacred every human life. We are, therefore, to never murder, never kill, never seek vengeance. Of course, we have issues of abortion and euthanasia today, and we have so many ways where we in some way disrespect the lives of other human persons, and even our own life. We have to learn to respect it as a great gift from God. The Fifth Commandment, you shall not kill. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com.
Welcome back to Catholic Connection. Sherry Kennedy Brownrig in for Teresa Tamio. Teresa Tamio is heading out to Italy as we speak for the Wine and Shrine Pilgrimage with Women of the New Evangelization. Wants to pray for you, so please do send in those requests, Teresa at TeresaTamio.com. And during the break, I popped over to the Facebook page, and on her page, it's actually the very first post there that you can see she is asking for prayer requests. So make sure you you write yours in there or email her and let her pray for you. Well, we've got a wonderful guest with us right now, Father Gregory Pine, and we're going to be talking about the second season of Catholic Classics from Ascension Press. And this is a series where he and another priest will read and explain the Confessions of St. Augustine, which is always absolutely fantastic. And let me tell you a little bit about Father Gregory here. He's a, a Dominican friar, so the Order of Friars Preachers of the province of St. Joseph, which is located in the northeastern portion of the United States. And welcome to Catholic Connection, Father Gregory. It's so great to have you on. Hey, my joy. Thanks for having me. Can you start by sharing just a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I entered the Order of Preachers in 2010, and... Uh, we do our philosophical and theological study in Washington, D.C., at the Dominican Mountain Studies. I was ordained in 2016. Since then, I was assigned at uh, St. Louis Berkshire Parish in Louisville, Kentucky, where I also taught at Bellarmine University. And then I spent two years working for the Thomistic Institute in Washington, D.C., based out of our, our faculty. And then I spent the last three years in Switzerland at the University of Freiburg, where I have almost earned a, a doctorate in dogmatic theology. And I'm assigned back in Washington, D.C., where I teach at the Dominican Alpha Studies and, again, work for the Dominican Institute in a different capacity. Wow, that is wonderful. Have you always been Catholic? I have, yes. I have. Indeed. Yeah. I just, you know, sometimes I, I love to ask that about priests, because so many priests had one had those wonderful Catholic upbringings where, you know, steeped in the faith, and and it was just a, a daily part of life. And so, hint, hint, for those listening... <laughs> That's how we get priests. <laughs> Not always, because God, you know, God, God can do many, many different things. But, uh, but that's the majority of them come from a very strong Catholic family. Well, so the Ascension Catholic Classics podcast started October second, and you're reading and discussing the Confessions of Saint Augustine. So, tell me why you chose that classic. Uh, so I didn't, uh, but the uh, <laughs> the publisher did. Um, but I, I agree with their decision insofar as I find it to be wise and uh, certainly fruitful. And so you have these various classics in the Christian and Catholic tradition, uh, which commend themselves uh, to our attention for a variety of reasons. But I think with uh, the Confessions of St. Augustine, it's got a, a real rich emotional and psychological and spiritual depth. It's kind of the first autobiography of its kind, um, and it has a way of engaging us and causing us to reflect very deeply on our own Christian conversion. So I think for those reasons, it's a great choice. Now, I've heard people say, um, I've read some of the Confessions of St. Augustine. I haven't gotten through all of it, but I've heard others say that it can be a bit of a, of a tough read. Is that one of the reasons why that a podcast like this is really helpful, is to help us with what might be some dense material for some? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, I, I say often that the point of the Christian life isn't 100% comprehension, and the reason that we know that is because even in heaven we won't comprehend God 100%. But the point of the Christian life is glory, and often enough here, this side of eternity 
We experience that glory by way of healing and growth. And so it's good to have these classic texts, uh, which are sometimes difficult, to challenge us, to encourage us, uh, to embolden us in our pursuit of the Most High God. And, uh, and the Confessions is, is a great one for just that. Oh, that's wonderful. What's the format of the podcast? So uh, with each episode, we have like a little bit of an introduction, and then we transition seamlessly into the reading of the text itself. So it's, in effect, an audiobook. You know, like, so if you, if you stick with it, you read the whole of the, uh, the Confessions. And then the latter half of each episode is a commentary on the text that you'll have read for that day. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty close reading insofar as we don't want it to be like our random thoughts inspired by the Confessions, but falling lo- like largely within our own philosophical and theological wheelhouse. We want it to be yeah, a, a close reading of the text with the understanding that uh, St. Augustine is the teacher, and that we are expositors, and we want to be faithful to his order because it's wise uh, and because he knows better. <laughs> yeah, very much so. You can find out more about this, by the way, at ascensionpress.com and just uh, look for Catholic Classics. And I see that there's also a reading plan that goes with it, and there's a Facebook group and other ways that you can engage. Why is that important, that people really engage with these kinds of things rather than just listen passively? Yeah, so I think that part of it is God could make us passive recipients of His revelation and grace, but in His loving kindness, He chooses to implicate us as agents, as active causes, and and in part it's because it makes us more like Him, um, because it assimilates us or conforms us to His divine nature with greater efficacy. But also, like, we tend to hold fast to those things which we, we ourselves have become you know, protagonists of, and I think that with anything like this, we want we want to engage so that way, uh, yeah, we appropriate the riches thereof with, uh, yeah, with, with greater ease and with greater delight. Let's talk um, about the Confessions of St. Augustine uh, itself. What is the overall theme for those who have never delved into it? What, are, what is the overall theme of the book? So the Confessions are divided into 13 books, which is like the ancient designation for chapters. And uh, the first ten books, St. Augustine says, are about his life, and then the last three books are about sacred scripture. So the first ten books, roughly speaking, detail the first half of St. Augustine's life, uh, and most especially his ongoing conversion, um, up until the point where he chooses to be baptized and is baptized, and then the death of his mother. And then the last three books are close reading, a kind of... um, yeah, intense reading of the first few verses and chapters of the book of Genesis. So it's uh, something that St. Augustine read and commented at various points in his life, uh, in the City of God, in the literal commentary on Genesis, in the commentary on Genesis against the Manichees. Uh, so he, he's often coming back to the text of Genesis because he himself spent some time with a heretical sect which had a false understanding of creation, and so he's always coming back to those texts to uh, to teach the the Christian faith. Yeah, so interesting. And again, ascensionpress.com, search for Catholic classics. We're talking with Father Gregory Pine, and he is one of the wonderful priests who have this great podcast, and we're going to going to take a short break now, but we've got more to talk about this. If you want to hear a little bit more about the Confessions of St. Augustine, then stay with us. Lots more to come. Catholic Connection continues in just a moment. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. 
Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Is social media leading to more young women getting cosmetic surgery? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our daughter and family just welcomed a new baby girl into the world. The boys in our family are now outnumbered for sure. I've witnessed how some of our girls often struggle with self-image and body issues. These issues are now being enhanced by social media. First Peter teaches us that it is not outward beauty that is important, but it should be that of our inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Studies indicate that young women are going under the knife for more cosmetic procedures in direct response to social media. Encourage the women in your life to practice self-compassion. Build them up. Help them find ways to be content in their own skin. True self-esteem is having confidence that I am who God says I am. For more on this, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Welcome back to Catholic Connection. Sherry Kennedy Brownrigg in for Teresa Tamio, who is on pilgrimage in Italy. Well, she's on her way anyway. I'm not quite sure if she's there, but going to many different sites, religious sites and religious uh, uh, saints relics. So that's really going to be great. She wants to pray for you. You can leave your intention on the Facebook post. It's the first one at the top of her page on Facebook or email her, Teresa at TeresaTamio.com. And we continue our discussion with Father Gregory Pine. He's a Dominican friar and one of the hosts of Catholic Classics, the great podcast from Ascension Press. And you can find it at ascensionpress.com and then just look for Catholic Classics from there. And Father Gregory, we were talking about the confessions and, um, you know, I'm sure that you've read them. And what what is your favorite part of the confessions? <laughs> That'd be incredible if I, if you if I hadn't were on a read podcast it, right? reading the confessions and I had you could, like you, used Chat GPT to do all my reading parts. Yeah, and you could be, say, "Here's what I think it says." Here's what I yeah, think. Exactly. Um, like I, I, somebody told me at one point what the confessions might be about. So it's my joy and pleasure, honestly, my privilege to tell you that. Um, so I, I have <laughs> read the confessions. I read it for the first time in the novitiate, which is our first year of religious life. And then, in preparation for this podcast, I read it a couple more times, but it had been a minute. And I think what I appreciate most is, like, the mode of discourse. It's like, wow, Father Gregory, you picked the most boring thing in the world. Um, But but it's specifically (laughs) the way that St. Augustine questioned. Um, So he does it in a kind of mix of praise and bewilderment, which uh, corresponds pretty closely with my experience of Christian conversion, uh, though I don't carry it off as as well as St. Augustine does. But this idea that, like, he, he 
begins with a habitual disposition from his present vantage, like he's writing this at the end of the 300s, like 397, 98, 99, um, looking back at his life, which begins in 357. Um, and he's kind of like, Lord, you are worthy. You are wonderful. You are delightful. And I have no idea what's going on in my heart. Like, literally nothing. <laughs> wow. Which I find to be a very charming way to approach the spiritual life, because the point isn't to have, you know, like, ready-made or well-formulated answers. I think the point is to praise God, to ask Him questions, and then to see what comes of it. So I, I really appreciate the mode of discourse. What did you say before that sometimes having, you know, not, I'm not going to be able to phrase it the way that you did. I wish I'd written it down. But that sometimes, you know, having that, um, just not really knowing, and having it be a little bit of a mystery is actually okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the point is not 100% comprehension, because the life of heaven isn't 100% comprehension. Right? The point is, yeah, asking the right questions of God with a contemplative disposition and the anticipation, the expectation, I think we have a word for it in Christianity, hope, the hope that God will give himself because he's omnipotent and he's merciful and that we're made for this. Um, so, like, it corresponds. And I think you see this. You see that come through with St. Augustine. It's like, yeah, I can, I can lean in. And, and not fear that, you know, it'll all collapse, because God can bear the weight. God can bear the weight of my whole mind's inquiry. He can bear the weight of my whole heart's love. Oh, that's beautiful. I think the thing that I have loved so far about the confessions is just seeing a saint as, you know, a normal guy. I mean, he, he obviously lived in the 300s. That world is quite a bit different than what we have today in his writing you know, might be different than what we would write or read from someone who wrote today. But his thoughts, his heart, his mind, his questions are very similar to what we all experience today. And it's just incredible. And, you know, the way that we're able to form those questions for ourselves from reading the confessions, I think, is the thing that that so entrances me, I guess, just just keeps me wanting to come back to it. Yeah, no, I agree. There's a kind of the word I would use is contemporaneity. Sometimes when you reach across the ages, you uh, yeah, you lay hold of another individual and you think, wait a second, are they living the same humanity as I am? Because I don't recognize any of their thoughts. I don't recognize any of their kind of like emotional responses. I have that experience sometimes with 19th century Russian literature. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I have no idea. Uh, but with St. Augustine, it's like, holy smokes, get out of my mind. You know, it's just, yeah. it's too intimate. It's too intense. Yeah, and I think, you know, God sees all, and he knew that that would be, I think, something that he inspired in uh, St. Augustine's heart to write those things, because he knew that it would touch people for the ages. And my goodness, you know, we've had it around for, for that long. I mean, it's just absolutely profound. We've got just a few minutes left, but um, quick question for you. How did you get involved in doing this podcast? Yes, yeah, so I, I was seeing the things that Ascension was doing, and I was liking them. And um, my father had worked for Ascension for maybe 10 years, and so I suppose I knew some of the people there. Um, and I was thinking, like, okay, Bible in a year, catechism in a year. We had actually originally proposed catechism in a year after Father, Father Mike had proposed it. And, but then the idea was, okay, like, what's going to be the ongoing appetite for this type of podcast, or what's going to be the ongoing nutrition that uh, many Catholics who have gotten in the habit of daily fare can then... Uh, yeah, nourish themselves with. And so this kind of came up in conversation with the producers there, and here we are. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it's wonderful. And you can find it at ascensionpress.com, ascensionpress.com, and then just search for Catholic Classics right there. And there's a lot of different ways that people can engage with the podcast. And before we go, maybe talk about those for a moment, Father Gregory. We have about a minute left. Sure, yeah. I mean, you can you can find it on any podcast app. And uh, as is the case with most podcasts, you can leave comments and reviews, which uh, give you know, helpful feedback for future seasons, but then there's a Facebook group uh, that you can join and within which you can interact with other people listening to the podcast. And then um, there are options both online and by text to get a reading plan, which will help you in your own independent kind of tracking with the text to stay accountable um, and, uh, yeah, just to kind of stay on pace, motivated and animated in the pursuit. So those are all good resources. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Father Gregory Pine, and thanks for your priesthood. Thank you for doing this, and we'll be praying for you. Cheers. I appreciate it. Thanks. It's Father Gregory Pine, and he has the Catholic Classics podcast at ascensionpress.com. That's all the time we have for today. Sherry Kennedy Brownrigg, I'll be back next Friday. I look forward to that. In the meantime, don't forget, next Tuesday, the day of prayer and fasting for peace in the Holy Land. Pray always, and have a blessed day. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.